0: I'm ready. How about y'all? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We are just so grateful for your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. Father, we thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us, for the price that he paid. Thank you that he shed his blood to deliver us and to set us free. We thank you tonight, Lord, that we're born again, that, Father, we're alive in you, and I thank you that... We're on our way to heaven. And Lord, I thank you for the victory that we have in that. But I thank you for the victory that we have here now. And Lord, that the the enemy has already been defeated. He's under our feet. And Lord, we're ruling and reigning in you. And we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit causes your word to become alive on the inside of us. We invite you to teach us, to bring revelation to us. And so that Mm -hmm. we won't be the same. And I thank you, Father, that as we end our time tonight, our faith is going to be higher. We're going to be Mm -hmm. ready to receive all that you have for us. I thank you for healing in each and every one of our physical bodies tonight. And Lord, we're grateful and we love you with all of our hearts. And it's in Mm -hmm. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, if you will, just turn in your... uh, your Bibles to John 21, 25. Let's look at our foundation scripture found there. John 21, 25. And this is kind of what we're using to leap and to jump into this study. Uh, By the way, this is week 13 of talking about the healings of Jesus. In John 21, 25, I'm going to read it from the New King James and then the Amplified. The New King James says this, and there are also... Many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The Amplified Mm -hmm. says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, if they should all be recorded one by one in detail, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain or have room for the books that would be written. So, of course, you know, as we've said every single week, um, the four gospels are not a totality of Jesus' ministry. We don't obviously have everything that Jesus said and did during those three and a half years of ministry. But thank God we have what the Holy Ghost wanted us to have and that he makes available to us. And I'm glad it's more than enough. You know, we don't have to be witness and and, and you know, know every single thing for it to make a, a huge difference. No, I thank God that what we do have is plenty. And so I'm thankful for that. And so as, as we have said every week, we're studying these healings in detail again. So if we, we can see what the people did to receive healing, we can get what they got. So if we need healing in our bodies, we can study these things so that we can learn what they did to receive from the Lord. And uh, I'm so glad the scripture says God is no respecter of persons, that what he does for one, he will do for all. And uh, so if, if healing was available during Jesus' ministry, then it's available now. And even more so because Jesus has gone to the cross. The Bible says that with his stripes, we are healed. And, you know, think about this just as a little side note. You know, Jesus ministered during those three and a half years as an Old Testament man anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he operated under the Old Covenant. Now, of course, on this side of the resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection, it's a little bit different in the sense that he paid the price for us to be healed. We've been redeemed from the curse, the scripture says. I'm sorry. So, so we can be healed and receive our healing, uh, just on our own. Thank God. And so I'm grateful for that. So a couple of things that we're doing, we're learning how in these, in studying these healing miracles, how to receive healing for ourselves. And then also how we can effectively minister healing to other people. You know, I I love the fact that we see this throughout all of these stories that Jesus followed the leading of the Holy Spirit in every situation. You know, that's why they're all different. That's why you'll find him ministering, healing in different ways uh, is because the Holy Spirit led him to do it that way in that particular case. And so for us as believers, it's going to be important for us to know what the Holy Ghost wants us to do in that particular moment. So we need to learn how to be led by him as well. We studied in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 and Matthew 9, 35, the three things that highlight or summarize Jesus' ministry, and that is he went about teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all sickness mm-hmm. and disease, or all kinds of sickness and disease, the scripture says. And so that those are the three pinnacles, if you will, of Jesus' ministry, Teaching, preaching, and healing. So if those three things were important in Jesus' ministry, then they need to be important to us, and we need to emphasize what Jesus emphasized. Now, we've also been saying that it's important that we study the Word uh, and receive proper teaching on healing so that we can, can receive healing. What you hear is what you're going to have faith to receive. And that's why yeah. as a pastor, particularly at our church, I try and teach, uh, as the, of course, as the Spirit leads me, but I teach on a wide range of subjects. I don't just focus on one thing because I want your faith to be developed in all areas. I want you to be able to receive everything. That God has for you, you know, and in as you know in the church, we're uh, ministering on uh, sowing and reaping and and those types of things because I want your faith to be developed in that area. But we also teach on healing, so your faith can be developed in that area as well. We talk about walking in the love of God, so that your your love walk and your faith can be developed in that area as well. So. I believe that it's it's causing all of our lives to change and be different. But let's go over to John chapter 5, back up a few pages there from John 21, and let's go to John 5. And uh, I'm going to do a little bit different format this week. You know, in the past weeks, I have read the whole story, the whole case, and then we broke it down verse by verse. But uh, there are several verses that we're going to look at from John chapter 5, so I'm just going to begin dissecting this from the beginning and so just didn't, just uh, follow along with me in john chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. now we're going to cover a lot of material tonight so if you miss anything please understand the notes are always available to you on the website and you can go get them there but let's look at john 5 and verse 1 it says now after this there was a feast of the jews and jesus went up to jerusalem Now, verse 2, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now, let Mm -hmm. me describe this to you a little bit. First of all, the Sheep Gate was one of the gates that led into the temple. What's interesting about the Sheep Gate is that that is the gate where all of the lambs that were to be sacrificed were brought through. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was hanging around the Sheep Gate when he went into Jerusalem at this particular time. And so mm-hmm. it was no accident that he passed by this. And the, the pool of Bethesda was not far from the temple. I mean it was just literally a stone's throw from the temple. And what it was, just to give you a little bit of history, the pool of Bethesda was not always named this. At one time it it served as a, a beautiful place for the rich and the wealthy to be able to go and bathe, and even had spa treatments there. Uh, if you'll remember, uh, you know, if you've ever seen anything about Pompeii, you know the city <laughs> in uh, Italy that was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius. They have they have dug up and and discovered uh, elaborate pools and baths where people would go and would bathe and and uh, you know with elaborate tile work and mosaics and things like that. And that's exactly what the pool of Bethesda was. It was a place where uh, the wealthy would go and they would bathe. They would get in the water. And what we see is that the water that came into the pool was probably spring fed. So it could have been uh, hot water. That was a thing that was back then, you know, where they would have hot springs that would feed water into these pools and the people would go and sit in the hot springs. And uh, it was just a very, very beautiful place. But what we see is that apparently at some point, the, the spring must have dried up. Because you'll see on down in this story, the water wasn't moving at all. There was no activity. There was no movement in the water as there would be if it was still spring fed. So what happened is because of that, uh, the rich... The wealthy people that were coming there for their spa treatments and their baths moved on to other baths and other spa treatments and when they moved out and abandoned these pools then the sick were able to come in and this pool was surrounded by what the bible calls them porches but they're really porticos. these are covered um porches if you will that part of the edge was covered and so these people could be laid out b- beside the pool and stay there 24 hours a day, not have to deal with, uh, rain and so forth. And so, um, the five porches that surrounded, it totally surrounded the pool. So there, the wind was not able to get to it. And, uh, and so the, the people that were laid there, um, were, were covered, as I said, now. The scripture says that there was a great multitude of sick people. Notice it says um, in there, verse 3, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, let me talk to you about the name Bethesda. The name Bethesda means house of mercy or place where mercy was poured out. Now, this is a name that this area, these pools picked up after the rich people moved out and the sick were put there. And um, as it says that there were a lot of people with serious medical conditions that were laid around the pool. And these weren't, uh, you know, just scattered. No, they were laying almost on top of one another. And notice some of these conditions. There were blind people there were lame people people that their limbs no longer functioned or maybe they were missing limbs it says that uh they were paralyzed some one's translation says that some their limbs had shriveled up for whatever reason that there was a disease that had affected their limbs to that degree and uh you know maybe these people were born this way Maybe these people uh, had gotten injured at some point along in their lives or had gotten sick. And uh, so it says in verse 3 that they were laid there waiting for the moving of the water. Now, we, what we'll see in just a second when we read verse 4 is that this was very, very random. i tell you what, let's just go ahead and read verse 4. It says, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. And so what you have to understand is all these people laying around under all these porches were waiting for the water to be stirred now the interesting thing is they had no idea when this was going to happen they had no idea what day it was going to happen they had no idea what week it was going to happen all they knew that it was going to happen at some point point. and so what that tells us is these sick people stayed there 24 hours a day that they they practically lived there in all point you know purposes and so that means that people had to bring them food there uh, people had to take care of them and, but they lived there, um, uh, around this pool and, uh, they stayed and watched for the moving of the water and they had no idea, uh, when the water would be troubled. Now, I want you to think about something. I want to ask you a, a, a point, a question to you, just rhetorical. And that is this, if you had a bad physical condition, let's say you were paralyzed And uh, you couldn't move your body at all. You couldn't move your limbs. And, uh, you know, if you were in that kind of physical condition, you would be willing to wait as long as necessary if there was a chance that you could get healed. If there was an opportunity that you might be able to get into the pool uh, and get healed at the moment that the angel stirred the waters. Okay, so these people stayed there all the time. Now, let's talk about the angels, because it it says in verse 4 again, for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Now, what we know is this, angels are not healers. Angels are not healers. Jesus, or the Father God, is the healer. The power (laughs) of God is where healing comes from. But (laughs) what would happen is that an angel would go down and facilitate the power of God being present and would minister to one. Now notice this, it wasn't an unlimited flow of power because it was just available to whoever was able to get into the water first. Okay. And so then when they stepped in, uh, the, the the healing would would be temporarily suspended until the next opportunity that the angel would come. Now, I want to, without getting into a lot of detail tonight, we won't, won't study this very much, but I just want to make some comments. And that is this. Angels are very involved in facilitating the power of God showing up to move in people's lives. Uh, We see where uh, the angel Gabriel, of course, showed up to Mary to tell her about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see where the angel Gabriel was also involved in uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth being able to give birth to John the Baptist. Uh, you know, and I encourage you read those stories. And uh, in Luke, where it talks about Zechariah and Elizabeth and how they had been—it's pray- kind of humorous—but they had been praying for a child. Now, the Bible also says they were very old, or they were older, and uh, and she had been <coughs> praying, but yet they had been praying for a child. And so the angel, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, the angel shows up and says, hey, you guys are, gonna, I'm, God's heard your prayers, he's going to answer your prayers, you're going to have a child. And Zacharias, his first response is, well, how's that going to happen? And so the angel said, I'll tell you how it's going to happen, you're not going to be able to talk for nine months. And why did the angel have to do that? He had to silence Zechariah's words, lest, lest his words stop the power of God from moving in that situation. And so, you know, if you study the Old Testament, you see angels that ministered to people and facilitated, again, the power of God. I heard a testimony of uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagan's wife, Aretha, how she was healed in 1984 of a heart condition. And uh, she had gotten a, a bad diagnosis from the doctor on a condition that she had in her heart. And, uh, and just to show you, this is something that, that everybody has to do. She began to study the healing scriptures. Her husband, Brother Hagen, had recorded, and by the way, this is still available today, had recorded healing scriptures from the Bible. And she began to listen to those healing scriptures over and over and over and over again. And she got that healing down on the inside of her. And so one day when she and Brother Hagin were sitting in the living room at their house, uh, she said an angel appeared to her and reached in her chest and deposited a new heart and took the old heart out. And, uh, so obviously, you know, the, the angel didn't heal her, Jesus healed her, but the angel facilitated the healing power of God. And what she saw in the vision, uh, was what the angel was facilitating. Long story short, after that particular, uh, instance, she went back to the doctor and the doctor's words were, this is a miracle. You have literally a brand new heart. And so God had moved in her situation to heal her of that condition. But what I want you to see is, is that an angel was involved in facilitating that. So that's what we see here at the pool of Bethesda. And um, again, they were waiting for the stirring of the water to, to happen. Now, notice this, the condition of the person that all those people that were laying around the pool did not matter to the healing power of God in the sense of uh, there were people with varying conditions, some worse, some not so bad, and the healing power of God was able to deal with each situation. So their condition did not matter to the healing power of God, just like your condition or somebody else's condition does not matter. In other words, let me say it to you this way. Uh, if you know, somebody has a headache versus somebody that has terminal cancer, that is not one is not any more taxing to the healing power of God than the other. Uh, the Bible says this, Abraham asked, uh, or excuse me, Moses asked God a question. He said, is there anything too hard for God? And so Mm -hmm. what I want us to understand is this healing is easy for God. There is no effort put forth by him where he has to have more power involved in order to heal terminal cancer than he does a headache. Mm-hmm. I, I want us to get that because I think sometimes because for us it would require more effort, we think it's the same way for God, and it's not. Healing is healing, and healing works and it and it will manifest and work in someone's body who is willing to receive it now i want you to also notice this uh in verse four when it says and for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water there was nothing magical about that water all right there was nothing the healing had nothing to do with the water all right matter of fact really what god was after for the people's faith not to be in the water they wanted. He wanted their faith to be in Him. Now, if you study the Gospels, and we've seen this already throughout a lot of the cases that we've looked at, there is not one person, not one, in all of Jesus' ministry that desired to receive healing that went away denied. Everyone was able to receive healing Who wanted to receive. Now, as I have said to you, the healing power of God is available everywhere, all the time, to anyone who will dare to receive it. So, what God was after, because this almost, you know, if you read this story on the surface, it almost sounds like a cruel joke that God was playing on the people. In other words, an angel would come down and stir the water up, and if you saw the water, being moved by the angel, then if you were second, not first, but second to get into the water, you didn't get healed. And that almost sounds cruel. That almost sounds like God was respecting people and that he was He was healing one and not willing to heal all. And the fact of the matter is what God was trying to do was ignite the people's faith to believe... <coughs> If my friend can get in the water and get healed, then bless God, I can get healed too. All right. Very important for us to know that because I don't want it to, to seem like God you know, would heal this one person and then everybody you know, was just out of luck until the next time. That is not the way God works. Okay. So what God was trying to do was spark these people's faith to receive from him NOT THE TROUBLING OF THE WATER. NOW, HERE'S WHAT I WANT YOU TO SEE. ALL OF THESE PEOPLE, THE ASSUMPTION IS, ALL OF THESE PEOPLE ARE JEWS. NOW BEING JEWISH, THEY WERE UNDER THE ABRAHAMIC COVENANT. HEALING WAS PROVIDED FOR UNDER THAT COVENANT. IN OTHER WORDS, ALL OF THESE PEOPLE HAD A RIGHT TO BE HEALED BECAUSE OF THE COVENANT THAT ABRAHAM HAD WITH THE FATHER. You remember what Jesus told uh, the religious leaders uh, when the woman was bowed over for 18 years? You remember Jesus told the religious leaders, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, having or should she have been healed? And so the same thing is true for all of these people laying around this pool. So when you read this story, I, I really am emphasizing this, I don't want you to leave this story thinking, that this was only available to one person, perhaps one time a year, and everybody else just had to suffer. All right? That's not the way God works. Now, go to verse 5. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Now, uh, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? Now, let's. Let's talk about this man for just a moment. How long had the man been laying there? years. 38 years. 38 years. He had had this infirmity for 38 years. Now, we don't know exactly what the infirmity was, but it was obviously something that kept the man from moving because we'll see later on that, that uh, he wasn't able to get to the water. Now, Jesus walks up on the scene and... Um, I just believe that Jesus, being led by the Holy Spirit, he might have had to step over other people to get to this particular man and where he was lying there in the porch around the pool of Bethesda. So there he is, standing there over this man, looking at the man. And um, now, what we can assume is that perhaps the man, when he first got to the pool... Uh, 38 years ago um, that he had faith that he could be healed but I want you to notice something as time passed the man's faith got weaker now I want you to think about this with me he's lying around this pool 24 hours a day 7 days a week with a whole bunch of other people who are in the same position that he's in now just just imagine with me. Do you think they had any conversations? Do you oh, yes. think do you think yeah. they talked about their physical conditions? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you think maybe they uh over time began to have conversations like, "Well, I just don't know if I'm ever going to be healed. I don't know. Really maybe it's not God's will for me to be healed. Uh, you know, I I just don't know. I've just I've been laying here for a long time and and think about this too over this period of 38 years they had seen several people get healed okay now again we don't know how often that this occurrence would happen but we could let's just say it was once a year you know we know for for uh but based on the story that means 38 people had gotten healed so Mm -hmm. this guy and his friends and everybody that's laying there had seen a number of people get healed, and uh, yet they were still lying there. So what happens with that? What's human nature with that? Well, after time, you begin to feel sorry for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, when you don't see God moving, when you don't see things changing, when your circumstances don't seem to be changing, the biggest thing that the enemy will try and introduce to you is self-pity, where you'll Mm -hmm. begin to feel sorry for yourself. Well, I just don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know why I can't get healed. I don't know why I'm not able to get down in the water, because we'll see this in just a moment. Now, notice, what did Jesus ask the guy? What did he say? Look in verse six. Mm Do you want to be made well? Okay. What's the first thing, though, that Jesus observed? It says that when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. How do you suppose Jesus knew that he had been in that condition a long time? Holy Spirit told him. Absolutely, Holy Spirit revealed to him. There was a word of knowledge that came to Jesus that told him that this man had been lying here for a long period of time. So knowing that, Jesus asked the question, do you want to be made well, all right? So, why did Jesus ask him that? Why do you think Jesus posed that question to him? Get him involved in it. Well, back up even before that. What's Jesus looking for? Faith. 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 He wanted to see where the man's faith level was. All right? So, he asked him a question. Now, I want you to notice something, and and I've said this before if you want to know where your faith is listen to what you are saying if you want to know where somebody else's faith level is listen to what they say because eventually people will tell you what's really going on in their heart all right as far as their faith is concerned so this man could be at the right place at the right time and yet what jesus was asking him was What is it that you believe? What do you believe? Now, Jesus could see this man's heart. He could see that the man probably had faith at one time. And uh, over time, his faith had grown weak. And so Jesus poses this question to him. And um, what what he saw was this man, this is what Jesus observed. This man was acting like a sick person. Now, I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. All his friends were sick people that had been lying there with him. All of their conversations had been about their conditions and what they were feeling at that particular day. You know, you can imagine when they woke up. Hey, John, how are you feeling today? Well, about the same, you know, conversations (laughs) like that. All right. Now, again, as I mentioned to you earlier, somebody was having to bring them all food. Maybe family members were bringing them food. Somebody was having to clean them, to take care of them, and all this while they're lying there in this condition. Now, here's the other thing. What would happen to this man if he got healed? He will leave his friends. Okay. How long has he been lying there? 30 30 years. Has he worked? no No. okay does he have a home that we know of no okay No. all right so here's what we what we can assume and suppose from this situation if this man gets healed he's going to be able to get a job perhaps increase his education he's going to be able to get some new friends he's going to become a healthy member of society and so, what Jesus was really asking him was this, do you want me to radically change your life? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay? That's what Jesus hallelujah. was really asking him. Now, see, hallelujah. Re- receiving healing is not just about feeling better, all right? And that's something we need to learn. You know, I often say, Jesus doesn't heal us so we can sit around and watch TV without pain. Jesus Mm -hmm. heals us so that we can have productive lives that can be for his honor and for his glory and that we can make a difference Mm -hmm. in this world. All right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, many people talk about they want their lives to be different, but do they really want their lives to be different? And so what Jesus Mm -hmm. was posing was this question to this man. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have grown accustomed to their dysfunction. You ever you ever notice that? That people get accustomed to the condition that they're in, and that, that condition becomes comfortable, and they like the attention. That's the brand. You win my Kool-Aid tonight. All right. Well, just hang on. Uh, and so th- that the people like the attention that the condition brings them, and sometimes people say they want to be healed or they want their life to be different, Mm -hmm. but truth be told in their heart, they really don't. All right. So what Jesus is Mm -hmm. really posing to him is a question. Mm -hmm. Do you want your life to be different? Do you want to be made well? Now Mm -hmm. there's only two responses to that question. What are they? Yes and no. Yes Mm -hmm. and no. It's a yes or no question. Do you want to be made well? All right. Now let's go to verse seven. So the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now this guy, bless his heart, he didn't even answer Jesus' question. The first thing he does is, is comes up with an excuse as to why he had not been healed. Okay, (laughs) Jesus didn't ask him. He didn't say, hey, tell me your life story and tell me why you haven't been healed. Jesus just asked him a question. Do you want to be made well? It's yes or no. And this guy's response was, sir, here's my excuse for not receiving my healing. Now, listen, this guy is no different than a lot of things we do. All right, because when when we're confronted by the word of God and we see something that we can receive from the word of God, what happens is sometimes we tell the Lord, but Lord, I can't I can't have that. There's no way, God, I could be debt free. There's no way, God, you could bring me out of debt and to where I could live debt free. But because don't you know. Uh, all that I've gone through, all the dumb decisions that I've made, finan- I mean, all those excuses. And that, what Jesus is asking is, do you want your life to be better? Yes or no? He's not asking for uh, a list of excuses. He's asking us, do you want your life to be better? And so Jesus asked the man this question. And so he found out where the man's focus was. Where is his attention? His attention is, I'm unable to get into the water, so therefore I can't be healed. That's what the man's uh, uh, attention was on. So the man offered a detailed excuse as to why he was still sick and in the condition that he was. And, you know, we do the same thing. You know, I, I, I can't get better, Lord, because of this job that I'm on. I can only go so far in this job. You know, my boss doesn't recognize my talent, and so I'm never going to get promoted on this job, Lord. Well, Jesus didn't ask you for that. He asked you, do you believe I can do this, yes or no? Do you believe that I can bless you? Do you believe I can heal you? And so that's what the Lord is asking us. And so, you know, maybe, 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 and, and, and let's just let's assume this isn't anybody on Bible study tonight. This is somebody else. But perhaps we have not received our miracle because we're not through making excuses. God wants us to quit making excuses. Mm -hmm. Just answer the question. And the answer is, the right answer is, yes, Lord, I receive. All right. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus was endeavoring to do was to get through this man's excuses and drill down to the faith that was in his heart. So here's what Jesus does. After the man tells him this excuse, Jesus' response in verse 8 was, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. So what did Jesus do to shoot through the man's excuse? He gave him something to obey. And you know what? God will do the same thing for you and me when we're... You know, when we get out of our tablet, we start listing our excuses as to why we can't receive. You know what he'll do? He'll give you something to obey in order to pierce through your excuses. And so Jesus gives him the the command. He says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, thank God the man listened to what Jesus said. Look at verse nine. It says, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the sabbath so as we have seen in in other cases before it says in verse 10 the jews therefore said to him who who was cured it is the sabbath it is not lawful for you to carry your bed so here they are they observe this man walking around with his cot or or his bedroll that he had been laying on there in the 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 porch of the the pool of bethesda and Obviously, he had been in that situation. Now, what they were not glad for was the fact that he got healed. What they were mad about was that he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath. All right. Mm -hmm. So they were not excited that the man received his healing. They were upset because the man was violating their rules. Okay. Now, what I think is interesting is Jesus purposely healed this guy on the Sabbath. And this isn't the only case. Remember, we have seen this several times uh, where Jesus might have even been in the synagogue and healed somebody on the Sabbath. And it riled up the the religious leaders of the day and they got all upset. Now, I want you to go back and look at, again, it says in verse nine, and immediately the the man was made well and took up his bed and walked when the The old King James says the man was cured. C U R E D. I want you to write this down. This is this in, in the New King James it says the man was made well. That phrase comes from the Greek word, and I'm gonna spell it for you, and then I'll pronounce it. T H E R A P E U O. T-H-E-R-A-P-E-U-O. Now, as you write that word down, does that look like any word that we use in the English language? Therapy. Therapy. All right. Now, Mm -hmm. it's interesting that the Greek language uses this word, that, that John chose to use this word when he was writing it, because in the Greek language, it means a healing touch that requires a corresponding action. So here's what this means. Think about therapy. What is the first thing, I mean, practically these days, I mean, it used to be when I was a kid, if somebody had knee replacement surgery, they were in the hospital for two weeks. I mean, you were down, all this kind of stuff, really any kind of surgery. But now, I mean, think about this. If you have surgery, uh, knee replacement, hip replacement, any type of surgery like that, within hours of you coming out of the hospital, I mean, the surgery, cert operating room, they are endeavoring to get you up and moving around. Mm-hmm. And the next step after you're able is they they immediately start physical therapy. Why is that? Yeah. Because medical science has discovered just within the last few decades that Movement and corresponding action facilitates hmm. healing in the body quicker than just lying around and waiting for healing to come. And yes. that, that just runs parallel with what Jesus was showing us here in the, in the spirit. It means this, that when the healing power showed up, that the corresponding action had to work in, cor- in cooperation with that healing power. So it's the same thing as physical therapy. We'll call this spiritual therapy. But what I want you to see is that the man, if he had not gotten up, taken up, picked up his bed and walked and followed Jesus' instructions, he would not have received his healing. All right? Mm-hmm. So, so, so very, very important. All right? So here's the good news in this story. You, don't, you and I don't have to wait for 30 year, 38 years for our situation to change. When the man obeyed Jesus' instruction, the power of God took root in him, and he was completely healed. After 38 years, this man's time had finally come. The good news for us on this side of the cross is our time has already come. Thank you, Jesus. All right? So I want us to get that down on the inside of us. You do not have to wait. And and let me say this to you. One thing that is different for us in in, in the church age and this side of the cross and the death, burial and resurrection of of the Lord. And that is this. If Jesus bought and paid for it, you do not have to wait to receive it. You can receive it immediately you know i I hear people you know they'll say well i'm just waiting on the lord to heal me well if you're waiting on the lord to heal you you're going to wait until jesus comes back god has already done everything he's going to do to heal you Um, mm -hmm. all you and i have to do is receive it just like he's done everything (laughs) that he's going to do to save you We just have to receive what Jesus has already done and be saved. We can be healed the same way that Jesus already did everything he's going to do to heal us. All we have to do is receive our healing just like we received our salvation. So here's my point. You don't have to wait around 38 years to receive anything from the Lord that Jesus has provided for you. All right. You receive it today. Now, the full manifestation of it might take some time. It's not going to take 38 years, but it might take some time. But you can receive it today. All right. Now, again, the religious leaders, they got upset. And uh, so look at. um, Verse 10. The Jews, therefore, said to him who was cured. It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered him, them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Now I want you to notice something. In, a, in a, almost every other case that we have studied, the people had heard about jesus Mm -hmm. you remember the woman with the issue of blood jairus Mm -hmm. all of them had heard of jesus apparently there was not any news getting to these people that were lying around the pool of bethesda about who jesus was and what he was doing in his ministry because this guy didn't even know who it was that came to him and said to him, take up your bed and walk. All he knew was that when he obeyed what Jesus told him, the healing power of God showed up and he was healed. So let's go on and read. It says, and afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. All right, now, let me comment on that for just a moment. And, uh, I want you to not hear that Jesus is not saying to the man, this be perfect or God's going to put that back on you again. That is not what the man is. Uh, that's not what Jesus was saying at all. And I don't want you to hear it that way. What Jesus was saying to the man was, because I mean, l- let me ask you a question. Have you sinned after you've been born again? Yes. yes. Okay. Well I haven't, so you know, I'm I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all know that's a lie, all right. So so here's what I want you to see. Jesus was not placing a demand on this man to live a perfect life. He knew he was a human being, he knew that he had been touched by God, but yet he knew he still lived in the flesh, he's had things to deal with, and so the likelihood of this man sinning was, uh, you know, probable. Let's just say that. So what? What was Jesus meaning when he said, "Sin no more"? What he was saying to the man was, "Do not practice sin. Don't live a life of sin. Because if you do, when you do that, you give place to the devil to be able to bring." something back into your life now the scripture says in romans chapter six it says the wages of sin is death now i want you to realize something that's true for a believer and a non-believer okay if you as a believer in jesus christ even though you're born again if you choose to practice sin God is not mad at you. There's still forgiveness and mercy awaiting for you. But what you have to understand is the devil is looking for every opportunity to destroy your life. And if you open the door to him, he will step through it. And so what Jesus was telling this guy, he was telling him, do not continue to practice sin so that. So that, and I'm adding this to it, but this is what he was saying. So that the devil cannot bring something worse upon you. I'll remind you of the scripture. I think it's found in Matthew's gospel where, uh, Jesus, uh, told about how, when the devil is cast out of someone that he goes and wanders in dry places. And then he says Mm -hmm. that he, he tries to come back. And when he finds the the vessel that he was in, swept and clean, but empty, then he comes and brings seven spirits worse than he is back into that situation. Okay. Notice the words that Jesus used. Swept, clean, and empty. Empty. Mm -hmm. Okay. If, if, If you do not, if you leave the door open... And empty, then the enemy is going to try and come in and and bring something back into your life. So Jesus was telling this man, don't... Let me say it to you this way. Keep the door closed on the devil. Keep the door (laughs) closed on sin so this cannot come back on you again. You know, Ephesians, write this scripture down for the sake of time. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27 Uh, Paul wrote and he said this, be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Now, if Paul had to write and tell us, don't give place to the devil, then what that means is we can give place to the devil. And all Jesus is trying to get us to see is, is don't do it. Don't give place to the devil. A lot of times you know where um, well let me say this to you jesus is jesus wants the man to keep his healing is the long story short all right just like jesus wants you to keep your healing he wants you to be able to hold on and maintain what you've obtained from him so what you're going to have to do is is make sure that you don't open the door for a counterattack from the devil to be able to come into your life. Okay. So, uh, Jesus, again, is not demanding perfection because the man could not perform that. What Jesus was saying is just close the door on the devil and do not let him bring this back into the, to this life, into your life. Now look at verses 16 and 17, and let's wrap this up. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. So This made the Jews so mad at Jesus that he had healed this guy on the Sabbath and that the guy, uh, you know, came and, and they asked him who it was. And he said, I don't know. He said, all I know is that he told me to get up and I've been healed. And so it made the Jews so mad that they sought to kill Jesus because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But notice what Jesus said in verse 17, but Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Now, what was Jesus saying is in this? This man was healed because I worked in his life. But Jesus also said in another place, I can do nothing except I first see the Father do it or hear the Father say it. So what, what he's saying is, what you're seeing is a manifestation of God in this man's healing. So, so write this down. D- Jesus called healing a work of the Father. Jesus called healing a work of the Father. Now, one thing that I love, and I didn't emphasize this enough when, when I was talking about it, but if you'll recall when I said the The name of the place was the Pool of Bethesda, and that means House of Mercy. Mm -hmm. What this was, was an opportunity for God to try and minister to these people, if they would receive it, these people lying in these porches, to be healed because of his mercy. His mercy Mm -hmm. and his love and his grace is so great that he wants Mm -hmm. to move in the lives of people if they will just let him, if they will just receive it. All right. So I, what I want you to see in all of this is that, that healing is available. You don't have to wait 38 years to receive your healing. You can receive it now and begin to walk it out and to, uh, walk in the fullness of it. And, uh, it's available to whosoever will receive it. Amen. Amen. All right. Did you get anything out of this? Yeah. Yes. And you know what else? You know what else, Pastor? What's that? Even if we've been sick for 38 years, healing is still available for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Hallelujah. Yeah. You don't have, have to wait. Thank you for that teaching tonight. I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off, sir. That's all right. Praise the Lord. But yeah, I mean, that's it. If you have had a condition for a long time, guess what? Today is your day. You don't have to live in that condition anymore. You don't have to carry that thing anymore. All right. I love the fact, you know, that again, as I mentioned earlier, the woman who was bowed over 18 years, I can't imagine, you know, I've had, I've been sick before and I've been sick for a few days, but I can't imagine being sick with something for 18 years or 38 years or a lifelong condition. But thank God We don't have to carry that anymore. Thank God you don't have (laughs) to carry that disease anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.